Thank you, Rich. Bear with me while I just... Again, reach spitting distance. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much that we are here this morning. Lord, that we could have celebrated your goodness. Lord, that we could have given something of, of your riches back to you. Lord, thank you especially that we have your word to guide and to teach us. And I pray, Father, that now as we consider these verses that we've looked at, that, that you would help us to, to understand how they apply to our lives and, and how they speak of your love. Father, would, would you speak through me this morning? May they be your words and not mine, I pray. Amen. I saw an advert this week on the TV that apparently the West Australian Museum has got an exhibit uh, about Pompeii at the moment. And it strikes me that there's a very interesting story. Um, I've done my best to try and authenticate it, but I believe it's true because a preacher said it once. Um, must be true if a preacher said it. <laughs> uh, apparently, you know the story of Pompeii with Vesuvius and, and when it erupted, it, it uh, threw so much ash that it buried people alive and, and we've basically got a snapshot of what they were doing at that moment. These uh, cavities that have formed and they pour concrete or whatever in and, and we get moulds of, of people in their final postures. When they were first excavating this place, they they found um, one of these moulds of, of a woman fleeing towards the city gates, uh, facing that way. But, but what really intrigued the archaeologists is that although her feet and her movement was forwards, she was reaching backwards, trying to get something. And, and I'm sure they must have wondered what it was that she was reaching for. I mean, was she trying to grab a child to pull it along with her? Was it a... Uh, a loved one that, that she was worried about. And, and so they got their tools and they, and they dug in the direction where she was reaching. And when they, they dug a bit further, they found a bag. And inside the bag were some pearls. And there she was sealed and trapped forever. A picture of a woman so captivated by some pretty jewellery that she lost her, la her life and her chance to escape. This morning uh, we, we are continuing our series um, looking at what it means to live a wise life, uh, what it means to live successfully. Uh, the definition of wisdom, uh, of wise living really is, is successful living. And last week as we looked at the first seven verses of the book of Proverbs, uh, we saw that the key is in verse 7, uh, which says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. In other words, the key to living a, a wise, successful life is fearing the Lord, is, is building your, your life and your decisions on a firm foundation of who God is and who Jesus is. Uh, because... Uh, we looked at, at 1 Corinthians where Paul says to us that, that Jesus Christ has become for us wisdom and righteousness, uh, which we actually sang in our new song this morning. 
And, and you know, as I stand here and I say the wise life is, is a life where you fear Jesus, where you are in a relationship with Jesus, it can sound kind of arrogant, can't it? To stand here and say that, that if you are to be wise, you have to be a Christian. That, that you can't really be wise unless you follow Jesus. And we explored it a little bit last week and, and we saw that yes, there are in fact some, some very deep, insightful people out there in the world who have no respect for God and, and who would rather be seen dead than be seen in a church. But the fact of the matter is that without Jesus, we cannot live successful lives. Because ultimately our lives end up in death. You might have uh, seen on the news this week um, some uh, movement at David Jones, their CEO. I'm no financier, but, um, but I looked up some stats from David Jones. Do you know that in the time that that guy took on the job of CEO, the share price of David Jones jumped 319%. It's an incredible jump in, in just, what, five or six years. But is he a successful CEO? gone down as a failure. His career has come to a dead end. He's, he, he made a stupid decision and everything else fell down in ashes. And I think in the same way, without Jesus as the foundation for a wise life, our lives go down as a failure because we've done something stupid and we've rejected God and that has consequences. I mean, how can you call anyone wise who rejects the all-wise God and chooses to die a rebel? So that, that was last week. In case you weren't here or you didn't get it, that's the main point. A, a wise life is a life where God, where Jesus takes center stage, where, where He is our all in all. And this morning we're continuing. If, if last week was the introduction to, to the book of Proverbs about how to live wisely, then, then our verses today, uh, we're starting to get to rubber hits the road territory. Um, and if you look through the book of Proverbs, you'll just flick through it sometime this afternoon, you'll notice that, that quite a lot of it um, comes in the form of a parent instructing or teaching a child. And, and that's what we got here in, in chapter 1, verse 8. Uh, a, a challenge for a son to listen to his dad's instruction and to obey his mother's teaching, her lessons. And as I uh, said last week, I don't know who the original son was. I, I suspect that, that, that it's, it's meant to be for all of us, for all of God's people. Um, I don't know about you, but I can see myself in the son being addressed in, in verse 8. And perhaps some of you can see yourselves in the mother and the father of verses 8 and 9. Maybe you are doing your best. I hope you're doing your best. 
to teach your children to live wise lives. You see, I I think when we reach verse 8 of chapter 1, we are really meeting the ideal godly family. Today, the the ideal family of Christians where, where mother and father both have a healthy respect and fear for God and, and, and a good relationship with Jesus and they want their child or their children to have that same sort of respect for who God is. And they want their child to make right decisions in life that, that, that lead to, to a life of godliness rather than have them make stupid decisions that lead to foolishness and ultimately, as we'll see today, death. And I know I've, I've sat across tables from so many of you and heard how you hanker after having your kids live wise lives, live successful lives, live Christian lives. But you know, as, as I look at, at the passage that Reg read out for us this morning, it strikes me that, that wise parents can't guarantee wisdom in their children. Is that true, parents? I mean, all you can do is spell out the benefits of, of living wisely and, and, and you can explain the, the downfalls of, of living foolishly, but at the end, all of us as individuals have to decide which path we're going to travel down in life. And and, and as parents, you are one voice calling out for your children to follow God's path of of wisdom. But the fact of the matter is that there are many other voices clamoring for our attention. There are so many voices out there in the world that would have us live life for ourselves rather than for God. That would have us live to enjoy today and not think about eternity. Voices that scoff at the idea, the very notion that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. You know, it's interesting... uh, when I prepare a sermon, I like to read back and see through what the early church fathers uh, in the first few centuries had to say about a, a particular passage. And, and when you look at, 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 there's one bloke called Didymus the Blind. I don't know how he wrote so much, but he wrote a fair bit. Didymus the Blind says that, that when you look at chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, um, it's not so much talking about a nuclear family, but but it's talking about God and the church and us as Christians. He says God is our father, the church is like our mother because the church is the bride of Christ and and, and us Christians are the children and, and we need to obey the teaching and the instruction of God through the church. And I think there's something in that. It's not just in the families that we teach wisdom but but also in the family of believers that we teach wisdom and God himself teaches his, his wisdom to us. But, but regardless of whether uh, we're looking at a family or a church or, or whatever, I think the challenge for us today is to listen 
and obey the teachings of wisdom that are handed down to us. And the motivation is incredible. The reason to do this is great. Have a look at verse 9. Uh, these teachings, these instructions will be a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. Reg, you said, what a great picture. I look at this and, and I see wisdom is bling. We wear wisdom like jewellery. It, it's something that, that adds beauty. In fact, if you uh, fling over to, to the last chapter of, of Proverbs, we have this picture of a, a, a woman of noble character and, and, and the thing that, that makes her so beautiful and, and wonderful is her wisdom, is the way that she, she lives out her life and the decisions that she makes. And Proverbs, the whole book tells us that, that, that a life that is worthy of appreciation is one of wisdom. But as I said, there are other voices calling out for us to follow after them rather than after wisdom and, and we do have to choose. A quick straw poll. Who here is a Holden person? Holden or Ford? Holden? Ford? Okay, the rest of you um, uh, will have some counselling afterwards in the McClure <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's a cliche, but you're either a Holden person or you're a Ford person. Um, and you either follow wisdom or you follow foolishness. I'll let you decide which matches up to which. But you know, isn't this an odd first example of, of the path of foolishness that we get here in verses uh, 10 to 17, 18, 19? I mean, we've got this picture of a gang trying to recruit this child of verse 8 to come along and commit murder with them. Which, to be honest, I find quite an odd lesson to be the very first lesson in a book of wise living. Maybe it's just me, but I have to admit I've never felt the temptation to go and join a gang and commit murder. Anybody? Anybody? Counseling afterwards in the McClure room? <laughs> Have you ever felt tempted to join the Gypsy Jokers? So why on earth do we have at the beginning of the book of Proverbs this, this teaching about wisdom and foolishness when it's something that we're not actually tempted to do? I think I think I, I think I get what Proverbs is, is, is getting at. I think it's pushing the example to the furthest limit so that everything is included. And when I think about how God made us uh, humans, He made us to be social creatures. We, we, we travel in groups, we, we hang out with friends, we, uh, and, and when the people that we hang out with, they, they influence the kind of person that we become. If we hang out with gypsy jokers, we'll probably become a gypsy joker. And, and you'd know that peer pressure is probably most evident in, in young kids, but you'd be a fool to think that peer pressure disappears. 
at any point in your life. And yes, maybe we're not asked to join a gang, but so often we're expected to be part of the gang. One of the lads, one of the girls. Do you remember the, uh, the, the scam, not scam, the, the terrible situation um, at Abu Ghraib? I never pronounced that. That prison over in Iraq. Um, there was a, a young soldier, about a year younger than me, um, who was pictured in some of those photos that came out of that prison. Um, and there's somewhere she's standing and she's smiling and thumbs up and, and horrible things happening in the background. And she went to trial and, and, and at her defence, the judge asked her, why on earth do you pose with a smile on your face? And she turned to the judge and she said, well, you know, I didn't want to pose. I said no. but my friends kept asking me to do it. And so I did. And let me quote her own words from the trial. I had a choice, but I chose to do what my friends wanted me to do. You and I can sit here and say, well, ah, we'd never do anything like that. We're, we're not like that. And, uh, and yes, that, that Abu Ghraib example is, is, is an extreme example, but But have a look at verse 10. My son, if sinners entice you, do not give in to them. Says Proverbs to us, the world is out to entice us. The voice of the world is out there to, to put it another way, to seduce us into joining them. That, That is just the way of our world. I mean, think about advertising is, is all about enticing us to have stuff that we don't really need or, or reminding us that we have to keep up to date with the Joneses uh, over in uh, Richville down the street. The voice of the world tells us that, that we deserve to be able to have whatever makes us happy. We deserve to have some fun. We deserve to have some excitement. We, we deserve to have some money. We, we deserve to have fancy stuff. And, and, we, don't, and we deserve to, to not have to think about the consequences. And it reminds me a little bit of the story of the prodigal father and his two sons. And in particular, the, the son who went away and and demanded his inheritance from his dad and and he took it and he squandered it in a faraway country. Just wanted to have some fun. Didn't think about what sort of effect it would have on anybody else in the family. He just wanted to have some fun. And here in verse 11, the story is that this gang that's trying to entice this lad they're saying, let's go and kill somebody for the kick of doing it. The NIV doesn't translate it for some reason, but have a listen to verse 11 in the New Living Translation. They may say, come and join us. Let's hide and kill somebody. Just for fun. 
Let's ambush the innocents. Let's swallow them alive like the grave. Let's swallow them whole like those who go down to the pit of death. The big lure here is, is just for fun. Let's, let's have some fun. Personally, another admission here, I've never had um, much of an impulse to go and commit murder for the sake of committing murder. Um, that sounds disturbing to say, just for fun, let's go and kill someone. I mean, is Proverbs talking about psychopaths here? Well, in this particular case, maybe yes, but, but I think the Proverbs is, is, is stretching the example again for us, taking it to the extreme. Uh, and, and the key to understanding what it's on about is not so much what they're doing, but, but the motivation behind it of, of having a bit of excitement, having a sense of power, having somebody fear you, giving your ego a bit of a boost. It's about having a good time and blow the rest. And, and verse 13 having stuff is fun. All sorts of valuable things and plunder and money to share. You notice, just as we've been going through this passage, how, how the way of wisdom in verses 8 and 9 is being put side to side with the way of the foolish person in, in verses 10 to 19. We've got that beautiful picture in verse 9 of, of wisdom covering us like beautiful jewellery and, and, and giving a sense of beauty and grace. And we've got the picture of foolishness with a pale imitation of stuff, plunder and loot. You know, speaking for myself, and I imagine speaking for a lot of us here, if not all of us here, it can be so tempting to want those rewards of the foolish life. I mean, be honest with yourself. Have you ever felt the thrill of a bit of greed? Wouldn't it be nice? to just stop off after church and bash Eric up and steal his wallet. <laughs> yeah, there's a net we can catch him in. <laughs> I've, I've never felt that, Eric. <laughs> but, but you know that feeling of, of just, I want, I want, I want. And you know, I think there's a very good reason why this is the first lesson in the book of Proverbs teaching us about how to live the wise life. Because I think greed is such a powerful enchantress. Colossians chapter 3 verse 5 we saw a few weeks ago, Paul says that greed is, is actually idolatry. It's saying that, that I come first, I will worship myself and my own wants and I won't care about anyone else and I won't care about God. I mean, isn't it true what James says? Uh, James 1, 14 to 15. New Living Translation puts it, Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us 
and drag us away. And these desires, they give birth to sinful actions and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. You know, that, that's where we're taken in Proverbs chapter 1, uh, Proverbs chapter 1 verse 17, where uh, we're told that, that where greed and, and putting myself and my wants and my own desires first becomes the path of life that I walk, I mean, it's the thing of cutting off your face to spite your nose. Ridiculous. You know, at the time it might seem like a good idea to to get as much stuff as you can and to give in to to this voice that says, come on, just have some fun. And and in this life, you might even be successful. These gang over here will have a common purse, will have lots of stuff. But the truth is that when we do something like that, we have trapped Ourself. I mean, that's the point of, of chapter 1, verse 17. Uh, just by the by, Proverbs 117 is the first proverb, proverb in Proverbs, if that makes sense. How useless to spread a net in full view of all the birds. You want to trap some birds. You set up your net. Yeah. If you set up your net when the birds are watching, they will just fly straight over. It's useless. It's stupid to set up a net where the birds are there. But the net is set up out of the way, out of sight, and the birds are driven into it. And they're caught. Anybody get caught in the net this morning? Well done, you're smarter than a bird. You know, in the same way that the trap of a foolish life as opposed to a wise life, it's not obvious at first. It can seem like everything is going well, like, like, like to coin a phrase, things are going swimmingly. But, says James, says Proverbs, there's a trap. And it's going to be sprung if, if, if you're not on the path of wisdom, if you're not following behind Jesus, who is our wisdom for us, then you are rushing headlong into a trap and you will be ensnared. But the good news the wonderful news is, is that God who loves us is not a vindictive trapper. He's just out to get us all. If we run into the trap, if we are caught in the net, it's because of our own choices. It's, it's our fault. Because God, I mean, hasn't he done just everything to, to rescue us from that? Hasn't he come and said, follow my path of wisdom, I will lead you to safety? Hasn't he done everything to rescue us from the enchantment of sinners who would say, focus on the now, when he says, I give you eternity with me? 
And you know the amazing thing is that God has laid the trap in full view of us. What's more, He's called our attention to it and He said, there is a trap ahead of you if you go down that path. And He says, there is a choice. Will you follow the path of wisdom, which is my path, which is behind my Son, or will you follow your own path where there is a trap and you can see it right there? I think to live wisely is to realize the direction in which our lives are going. It's to realize the foundation on which we base our decisions. It's the wise life is holding on to the teachings of Jesus. It's, it's not being enticed by offers of short-term gain. Plus a trap and death. If you are on the path of wisdom, and I know most of you here are definitely on the path of wisdom. Take verse 8 and memorize it this week. And don't be enticed by the offers and, and the evil desires of this world. But if this morning you are running towards the trap, If somebody you love is running towards the trap, point it out. And don't just point out the fact that there's a trap. Point out the fact that there is a God who rescues us from our own entrapment. And He sent His own Son. At the very time when all of us were running towards a trap of our own making at a time to quote Paul, I think, there was no one righteous. No, not one. Let's follow behind the path of wisdom. Amen. Father God, you are all wise, all knowing, all loving. Lord, we admit that, that so often there are other voices than your voice of wisdom clamoring for our attention. Lord, there, there can be temptations for us to, to take our eyes off you and, and to focus on stuff and, and short-term gain. Lord, I, I pray that, that you would open our eyes to the trap of leaving you out of the picture. Lord, I pray that, that we would follow after you, that we would hold fast to your instruction and never let go of your teaching. Amen.
we're going to sing a benediction now unto him. This is in fact the uh, third song we've had today that celebrates God's wisdom, among other things. Can you please uh, all stand for the benediction? Seek your wisdom and guidance in everything we do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.